0: Heavenly Father, give us meekness of spirit, a heart that is prayerful, that we would live in obedience to you, not fearing the wolves of the world, but trusting in you wholeheartedly. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be ow acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It seems the urge of the age is that we want to be someone to be known to make a significant difference in the world. I have talked to many people who want to do something big and leave their mark and their legacy. I think social media has made this urge all the stronger, where we wish that we get as many likes as we can on our photos and people say how wonderful we are. And we spend all our time wondering, how will I make my mark on this world? Will I be noticed? We want to make a big impact. But what if I told you being remembered for generations to come wasn't that important for the Christian? What if I told you it was better for the Christian to do good where you are, to love the Lord your God with all that you have, and to love your neighbor as yourself with the utmost diligence? And what if the whole church committed herself to having this mindset, to doing these two tasks well, instead of building their personal brands? This morning is the feast of St. Luke. This morning, we remember the life of the evangelist who gave us the gospels and the acts of the apostles. And we look at the example that he gave. For this is why we remember saints throughout the year. They show us how to live our lives. We diligent... <clears throat> and in this, we are reminded how God can use the unexpected person, the unusual soul, the lowly, the humble, to build his kingdom gloriously. We, he can use sinners who have broken down and have nowhere to go but to him to lift up... The whole of the church. We remember saints for that simple reason because they encourage us, because their ministry continues to lift us up to this day. We remember saints not because they were perfect and call us to perfection, but because they show God how they can use us in our imperfection. The truth is, we don't know a ton about St. Luke. But well, we know he was a physician. He seemed to be well educated. In fact, if Saint Paul hadn't attested to his training in medicine, we would know that he was quite intelligent from the grammatical style of the gospel, his gospel account, and the Acts of the Apostle, which he also wrote. Furthermore, the books, these two books, were methodological histories that matched those of their contemporaries. We know that St. Luke was a traveling partner and co-laborer with St. Paul. We see him refer to him to Luke from time to time. And then again in the Acts of the Apostle, we see the saint use the first person, implying that he was traveling with the people that he was writing about. He was risking his life for the sake of the gospel. Beyond that, not much can be said for certain. But we know that he found the gospel so attractive that he was willing to leave his life behind, that he risked his life with the many others of his time so that people would know who Jesus was. He counted his life not worthy of keeping. St. Luke was devoted to his call to be an evangelist and seemed to work tirelessly in order that others would know that the kingdom of heaven Was in fact come in to the world. Well, it is less likely that any of us will be remembered nearly as well as St. Luke. That does not diminish our own gospel call. It does not diminish that we are called to let our light shine before all men, that they may see the good works of God and give him praise. At the center of what we learn from St. Luke is this calling to place the ministry of the gospel in the center of our lives, to make Christ known in all that we do, to let Christ convert our hearts, to let the Holy Spirit conform us to the will of God, and to go out and preach that, God, that Christ is here, to preach, repent, and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Each Christian, significant and insignificant, is called to let our little light shine in this world and to bring hope. This morning, we have a strange contrast to St. Luke. We read about 72 anonymous people. But they had the same call as our saint. There are various theories as to why there are 72 that were called, or in some translations, 70. Some have hypothesized that this echoes the Old Testament when 70 or so nations were cited. And so we are reminded that the gospel is for every person and all nations. Others think that it was merely a historical detail that Luke picked up upon. Regardless of whether Luke had intended that we get a more significant reading from this, we know that 70 or so went to repair the way. We know that they attended to their calling and were obedient to Christ. And so we have this question, what is the nature of their calling? For unlike St. Luke, unlike the apostles or the church fathers or the reformers or some of the modern preachers that so many know so well, it is unlikely that we will be remembered beyond our family and our church. But that does not make our calling less significant. That does not mean that we are any less called to proclaim the gospel. It is from these unknown 72 that the nature of our calling, the same, we learn of the nature of our calling, which is the same calling of St. Luke. First, they were called to go in pairs. There is no such thing as a lone range Christian. You cannot survive as a Christian without being in communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is in the church that we are built up, that we are encouraged, that we were pushed along in our callings as our brothers and sisters in Christ walk with us. We're reminded of how critical that it is that we continue in our Christian communities, that we encourage, that we confess our sins, that we work to live in harmony and love with one another. For it is that in this that we learn to love better, both God and our neighbor. For the community is not perfect, but we learn forgiveness and to forgive in each other's perfection. There's a story of a pastor who grew concerned about a family who he had not seen in church for some time. In talking with them, they seemed fine on the phone, but, it se- but he couldn't seem to coax them back. So one night, he called upon them. They, as he walked into their house, he found they had a warm fire lit in their fireplace. The pastor walked up and took the coal, a piece of coal out of the fire and set it on the hearth. For a little bit, the coal burned brightly. It was as red as the other embers. But slowly, it grew dim and cold. And the message was clear. We cannot burn brightly for Christ. We cannot be a light for him if we are removed from the church. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. To press on. Next, we are reminded that the Lord is always at work. The seventy-two have gone out to at least 36 different communities to show which shows us just how busy Jesus was in his earthly ministry. And in this, the Lord does not grow weary. The Lord has more than enough ability to focus on the whole world. So often amidst our struggles, we wonder, are you there, Lord? Or perhaps we've read statistics of declining churches. Perhaps we've seen churches that died or drift away from their doctrinal core. Some of us have perhaps even seen or been parts of churches that have had to close. And amidst all of this, we wonder, is the Lord really working? Meanwhile, around the world, we see revival happening. In Islamic, in Islamic countries and Southeast Asia and Africa, it seems that the church is growing in leaps and bounds as more and more people come to know Jesus. We may not see it here or know what the Lord is doing in this place, but we know that the Lord is working in the world. We know that the Lord never tires. Finally, we're reminded of our calling to proclaim the kingdom of heaven does not depend upon us. We're merely called to obedience to the Lord, called to follow him, to have confidence in him. But the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that converts. It is the Lord who does the work. And what is the nature of our calling The other day, I had a great conversation with another Christian leader in our community. But afterwards, I felt overwhelmed by all that we had talked about. And I wondered how I could ever do the things that it seemed the Lord had set before me. I wonder if after hearing Christ's charge, these 72 were frightened as well. I wonder if they thought, how could I ever do that? Or perhaps they thought, this is far, far too much for me. Even the simple call of loving our neighbor authentically in their messiness and in our messiness can feel overwhelmed and we may be prone to excuses. Like, I'll invite them over when all the laundry is finally done. But Christ's charge, first piece of instruction is simple. Therefore, pray. My friends, do not underestimate the power of prayer. With this call to prayer, Bishop Ryle wrote, Prayer is one of the best and most powerful means of helping forward the cause of Christ in the world. It is a means within reach of all who have the spirit of adoption. Not all believers have money to give to missions. Very few have great influence, in, intellectual gifts, or extensive influence among men, but all believers can pray for the success of the gospel, and they ought to pray for it daily. Many and mar, many and marvelous are they are the answers to prayers which are recorded for our learning in the Bible. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Prayer is one of the principal weapons which the minister of the gospel ought to use. To be a true successor of the apostles, he must give himself to prayer as well as to ministry of the word. He must not use the sword of the spirit, but pray always with prayer and supplication. This is the way to win a blessing on his own ministry. This, above all, is the way to procure helpers to carry out Christ's work. Colleges may educate men, bishops may ordain them, patrons may give them a living, but God alone can raise up and send forth laborers who will do work among souls. For constant supply of such laborers, let us pray daily. Prayer is so critical that if we do not start our Christian endeavor, or for that matter, any endeavor without prayer, the task we are called to will be in vain. Prayer must be central to our efforts. But my friends, here's the other thing, the better thing. Anyone can pray from the smallest child to the most elderly person. Prayer is the great equalizer. The elderly woman who feels that she has nothing less left to give can pray just as effectively as me, maybe even more so. The prayers of the small child are just as sweet to the Lord, perhaps even more so than the most experienced saint. For prayer calls us to humility, Prayer calls us to total dependence upon the Lord. Prayer means that my earthly struggles, strength do not, does not matter. But it is the dependence upon the Lord that opens the doors. For prayer to be the most beautiful. And so from St. Paul, we are called to pray without ceasing. Pray that that we would offer every moment to our Lord. But obedience to God is not without risk. We have just been reminded that prayer requires meekness, requires humility, requires that we join Christ in his lowliness. Our call as Christians is to become meek so that we would abide in Christ's strength. But if we become meek in the eyes of the world, if we become humble, we are as innocent as lambs. Lambs that can no way defend ourselves. And Christ then sends us into the world. And in that, it may feel that we are amongst wolves. And we may wonder, is God being cruel? Is this an absurd calling? Or do we believe, as scripture tells us, that we serve a good shepherd? The 23rd Psalm reminds us of this beautiful truth, that the Lord is my shepherd. We are asked to go among wolves. We are asked to go into risk, and our good shepherd may bring us to scary places. But God is not cruel. The calling is not absurd. And while the calling may not be safe, the calling is good. And so though we go into this dangerous world, though we find the devil has his sight on us, though this can feel huge and scary and overwhelming, we are called to trust this good shepherd of our souls. For in him we have found our assurance so we go into the world as christ's faithful witness armed with prayer trusting him as our good shepherd trusting that he is our faithful guide and we are reminded that we are called to prudence in fact we learn prudence is a christian virtue but prudence must go hand in hand with total dependence upon the lord The 72 were sent out with no money, no possessions, no, not even extra footwear. So yes, be sure to be wise with the gifts that God has given you, but be sure that your dependence is not upon those gifts, but upon God and nothing else. Finally, Christ calls us to wholehearted attention to whatever he has called us to. Christ exhorts the 72 to not even greet anyone that they meet on the road. Some commentators hypothesize that this was because Middle Eastern greetings could be long. But this might distract us from that call to total focus. Rather, we focus upon our calling completely. Our calling is the same as the 72. 72. The Lord calls them to bring peace, to bring the peace of knowing that they are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But here we should note that the Lord makes clear not to be worried whether they are heard or not. Rather, simply preach the good news. Rather, <clears throat> it is, and it is not up to us to whether or not it is effective. Rather, it is the working of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that converts hearts. And so we simply say, peace be upon this house, and the Lord does the rest. And we are called to simple faithfulness, and the Lord will do the work. St. Luke did not, intend, did not endeavor to bring attention to himself did not promote himself, but endeavored to make Christ known through his gospels and the acts of the apostles so that we might know Christ truly, so that those who love God would know him all the more intimately. Our calling, likewise, is to be witnesses, to reflect the kingdom of heaven in this world. Our calling is not to bring attention to ourselves, but to prayerfully venture into the world as meek lambs, trusting our good shepherd. So let us dwell in the Lord's perfect love. Let us dwell in the love that drives out fear, living for his glory and not our own, being devoted to prayer, living in meekness that allows us to trust the Lord and trust him wholeheartedly.